Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So good morning. It's good to be with you all. Um, like I said earlier, I'm Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I spend most of my time at our West Campus in Verona. Um, our life has been incredibly busy the last month. Um, within the last month, we have not only has Rebecca um, had a baby, and our, our son's name is Benjamin. And so um, I was going to have a picture for you guys to see him, but this morning was crazy um, having a baby, having a newborn. Um, he's three weeks old right now, and, um, and he's doing great. He's doing, he's, doing health, he's very healthy. Um, we were just up last night until about 1.15, you know, uh, you know. I'm walking through my neighborhood, um, you know, walking down the streets at 1.15, trying to calm, you know, my son down. And praise God, after a mile, I get to the door. His eyes are still open. I get to the front door, and his eyes fall shut. I'm like, yes. We all get to go to sleep. So, so yeah. It took him a while to get him to calm down. But um, it's children are just such a joy. And people ask, like, how has your life changed? And I really can't put into words the perspective that has changed. But there's been an incredible change and shift in perspective in my life. Um, and I, I can't wait to see how much my son has to, has to teach me and what God has to teach me uh, through my son. And so I'm just, I'm elated. Uh, the second thing that we've done as a family is that we've moved from the east side of Madison into Verona. And so we are um, into Verona now um, so we can really um, pour a lot of our effort and energy into um, that church there and into Damascus Road here. And so I don't know if you guys know, but in August, I'll be coming in full-time. Um, and coming in full-time looks like spending a lot of energy. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, it looks like spending a lot of energy and time into pouring into the, uh, our West Campus, but also pouring into the future of our children's ministry here at Damascus Road and um, advancing our children's ministry into um, a youth program. Um, so we'll be, we'll be reaching out to middle schoolers um, and high schoolers. We've got a large um, future middle school population, even some students that are already there at that 11 to 10-year-old population. So we look to uh, be able to advance the kingdom uh, through those children and be able to serve them well um, through both locations. And so that's what we're doing. A lot of exciting um, life change going on. Baby, new house, new job. Um, it's kind of, kind of all overwhelming. Um, and so it's, it's really awesome to be here, to be a part of one body, and to be here with you guys and be encouraged um, with you and hopefully encourage you guys this morning as we continue in our series in the parables of Jesus. And so this morning, um, I've got to ask you a couple questions. And this morning, who here is in need of some hope this morning? Who needs some hope this morning? All right. Who needs some joy and some wonder this morning? Yeah. yeah. Who needs God to come in and create some change in your life that only God can create and change in your life? Yes. This morning, I believe this parable is for you. I believe this parable is for us. This morning, this parable is a parable of hope. It's a parable of joy. It's a parable of movement and growth. And so if you guys would, if you turned with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29. Do you have Mark on the screen or did you have Luke? Everyone, I think, in your bulletins might have Luke. It might say Luke in there, but we need to go to Mark chapter 26. I mean, chapter 4, 26 through 29. 
Just waiting to see if we can get it up on the screen here. There it is. All right, it's there. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that's Luke. Nope, this is it. Yep, this is, this is Mark. Yep, Mark chapter 4, 26. And so this is our parable for us this morning. It says, The kingdom of God, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And I'm going to read for us this parable one more time because I find that in church we normally read the parable once and then we go into explaining it and then that's all we kind of do with the text. And when I prepare this text, I read this text probably over a hundred times. And so I think we should read it just one more time. It's nice and short this morning. Um, so let's read it just once more together. And it says this, this is our parable for us this morning. Let the word of God sink into our hearts this morning. The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter a seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning to us that you might heal us where we are broken, that you might bring peace to us where there is anxiety, that you might bring forth new life in our dry and barren souls. God, we trust that you are faithful to those who call upon your name. And so, God, I pray that you would make us aware of your presence this morning. Make us aware of your presence now. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so when I look at these parables, when we look at these parables, when I prepare to teach these parables, I kind of ask this question of what is Jesus trying to accomplish in this parable? What is the one thing that Jesus is trying to address or answer in this parable? And, this, and I'm not going to lie, this parable is tricky. It's kind of cryptic. It's kind of like a guy throws some seed. The seed grows. He doesn't know how. The seed produces fruit. It goes to harvest. Like, you know, oftentimes when we look at parables, we're like, well, what does the seed mean? What does the man mean? What, what does all this stuff mean? But he begins the parable by saying, the kingdom of God is like. And so we know that this is going to be a parable about God's kingdom and the kingdom that God desires to establish on earth here and bring us through into heaven. And so when I look at this, I ask the question, what is Jesus trying to get to? And I believe that the ultimate purpose of this parable with us this morning is to still within our hearts a sense of hope that the kingdom of God is going to grow. That the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is moving and that is advancing and that has a final destination. And so when I look at this parable, I see it as a, as a parable of movement. And I see it as a parable of movement that there are kind of three courses of movement that happen in this parable. Two that I think are pretty direct in the parable and one that's kind of inferred. And so our three places of movement this morning is that it's first a place where we move from a place of hope to a place of confidence. A place where we hope that the kingdom of God is coming. And it's a parable that moves us to this place where we are confident that the kingdom of God has come that is here, and that it is growing and advancing. The second place of movement in this parable is uh, the movement of growth towards fruit. The, it begins as a seed, it sprouts, 
It continues to grow and then it eventually gets to this place of fruit. And so it's a parable that of movement towards from growth to fruit. And then finally, the inferred movement is this place of service in the kingdom of God to a place of worship, to where our service is not just a place where we serve God out of obligation because God said so, but it's a place where we serve God from a place of worship, where the kingdom of God has taken deep root in our hearts. And we just can't help but serve with joy and gladness and goodness, no matter where we are, where we become a people that's on mission for the cause of the kingdom of God. And so this is the parable that we are looking at this morning. And so first I want to address this kind of movement from hope to confidence. The parable opens up and it says, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. I don't know about you, but anyone planted anything? Anyone plant a garden? Anyone scatter any seeds? Anyone throw some seeds on your lawn? You know, whenever you scatter some seeds, isn't there some hope that something's going to grow? Like, there's a hope. Like, I put a seed in the ground. I hope, I hope it's going to grow. You know, and you, you sit there and you wait and you, you hope and you're like, well, maybe it's going to grow. Maybe it's not going to grow. And this kingdom says that this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's that there's a hope that there's been a seed that has been planted And this planting, there's a patient anticipation of the sprouting, of the growing, and of the maturing. Our new house that we moved into has one of my favorite fruits, strawberries. We didn't get to plant them, but man, we got to enjoy the harvest of them. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever had a strawberry right off the plant, but it's nothing like what you can buy at Woodman's. Yeah, they're absolutely amazing. And I know that next year, I'm for certain going to be planting more strawberries. And I'm going to be anticipating with a little bit of joy, with a little bit of angst for the fruit of that strawberry to come so I can taste its sweetness, so I can taste its goodness. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what Christmas is like, right? I mean, we celebrate the season called Advent in which we anticipate the coming of our son, of the coming of the son, Jesus Christ. There's this anticipation. Thanksgiving happens when you're a child and you know that mom and dad went and shopping for you, went Christmas shopping, and then presents start to appear under the Christmas tree, and you start to get a little excited, a little anxious towards Christmas, like, oh man, I can't wait, can't wait to taste the fruit of that Black Friday sale, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, is that in the church, it is that we cannot wait to taste the fruit of the kingdom of God. We cannot taste the fruit of Jesus coming, because that is the true meaning and purpose of Christmas. That is the true meaning and purpose of the kingdom of God is this eventual harvest. And so this parable is designed to progress and to inspire within us not only this hope of new growth, but this hope of harvest. And what's cool is that as this parable progresses, it moves us to a confidence of the harvest happening. It doesn't just say he threw some seeds and he hoped that they would grow. Instead, the parable says he threw some seeds and it says that he sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and the seed grows and he does not know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And some people will look at this parable and they're like, man, this guy doesn't do any work. He just throws some seed and then he sleeps all day. But the sleeping in this parable has nothing to do with the worker being lazy. Instead, what it has to do, it's a marker of time. It says night and day, and this is how the Jewish days would progress, was night to day, night to day. And so it's this marker of time, it's this marker of movement. Go figure, this parable about movement has this rhythm in it of night and day. And so 
There's this movement that happens, and as this time moves throughout the parable, the seed that's sown produces grain. It produces fruit. And as the fruit grows, as there's the shoot, then the blade, there's a growth in confidence. You're like, oh man, that seed that I sown is actually going to do something. It's actually, it might have a chance of producing fruit this year. And this is the hope and this is the confidence that we have in the kingdom of God. And it's, it's like a seed that is planted that's growing unhindered. I've got some weeds in my yard right now that are growing unhindered right now. You know? But this is what the kingdom, and that, the parable right after this is, is uh, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And I don't know if you know this, but the mustard seed is actually, in ancient times, kind of seen as like this weeded plant, and it's this invasive plant that will take over your garden. If anyone plants mustard seed, it will take over your garden. So this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's this unhindered growth, unable to be stopped until it's reached this place of fulfillment, this place where there is fruit, this place where this fruit can be enjoyed with incredible joy. Now that can be hard to believe. It can be hard to believe. We read this parable about the kingdom of God and this parable that says that the kingdom of God is moving, that the kingdom of God is advancing. And then we look out the window, we look at the news, we look at our Facebooks, and we can be like, man, I don't even know if the kingdom of God is real. I don't even know if the kingdom of God is advancing. If anything, it feels like the kingdom of God might be losing ground. Anyone feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, we look around and we see the evil. And Shannon last week talked about how the tares, how the weeds were planted next uh, to the grain, and how there is evil living beside us, and how we live in this world that the kingdom of God has come. And the kingdom of God is going to fully come on the day of harvest. But he doesn't want to pull out the weeds because then he might pull out the good with it. And so we're waiting for this day of harvest in which the kingdom of God comes to its fullest where the, the weeds and the grains are separated. And so we have to know, we have to trust, and we have to believe that the kingdom of God is here. And so this parable first moves us to this place of hope, hope that the kingdom of God would come, and then moves us to this place of confidence that the kingdom of God is here, even if it doesn't look like it. Because what we find is that the kingdom of God is unlike any other earthly kingdom that we've ever seen or even imagined. And what I mean by that is when we look at the kingdom, most kingdoms begin from a place of oppressive ruler. The king comes in, he comes in with his army, he comes in with his military, and he wipes everyone out. Jesus could have done that. Jesus and his disciples, Jesus' disciples thought that that was what was going to happen. Peter's like, let me grab a sword. Cuts off a dude's ear. <laughs> He was ready to go to war. He's ready to establish an oppressive ruler, oppressive kingdom. And so that's normally what happens. Somebody comes in, oppresses the people that lived there once before, and forces those people to be in their kingdom whether they want to be or not. But that's not what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God does not force anyone to stay. It doesn't force anyone to come. But instead, it invites us to come and invites us to serve. The kingdom of God is unlike any other kingdom that we've seen on this planet and any other kingdom that we will see ever outside of the kingdom of God. And what happens is that this kingdom of God, it doesn't begin with this oppressive victory, this of conquering and ruling. Instead, I think the kingdom of God actually is established in one of the worst ways possible if you're ever going to establish a kingdom. And that is with the death and the betrayal and the abandonment of the king. Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to establish a kingdom. The kingdom has come. Repent, believe. 
be baptized and those people that follow him end up betraying him, end up abandoning him, end up killing him. This is Jesus on the cross and this is how the kingdom of God is going to start. In its darkest hour, Jesus' death on the cross. And so when we look at this world and we ask, man, is the kingdom of God advancing because there's so much evil? I would say the key, one of the greatest victories and one of the greatest advancements of the kingdom actually came in one of the greatest moments of darkness. And so the kingdom of God is always moving. This is how the kingdom works. It flips things on its head where there's darkness. Eventually, life comes bursting forth. Sorry, I lost my trait. All right, so three days after Jesus' death and betrayal, the kingdom of God comes in a way that's most profound, in a way that we've never seen a kingdom established before. It comes back to life. The king comes back to life. The king that had been conquered, the king that had been mocked, the king that had been betrayed, that had been abandoned, comes back to life. And he says, I'm here, and I'm here to establish my kingdom forever. And he proclaims forgiveness and grace and mercy to anyone who is willing to come to him. Even those who are guilty of killing him. Even those who are guilty of abandoning him. He says, come to me. And there is forgiveness and grace and hope and new life for you. And what I find to be the most profound thing about the resurrection, about the kingdom of God, is that it works without you and I stepping in. It advances without you and me. Because Jesus was resurrected only by the power of God. The disciples didn't like gather around Jesus' tomb and have some type of like seance ritual to raise Jesus from the dead. They didn't go and have any type of service. They didn't sacrifice any type of animals. There was no type of spiritual activity on our part to bring Jesus back to life. God just did it. I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty awesome. That God brings his son to establish a kingdom full of sinners, full of people that, are, that hate him, and invites us into relationship with us by bringing his son back to life so that we might have joy in new life. And then the crazy thing is that after Jesus comes back to life, he chooses you and me, broken you and me, to go out and advance and spread his kingdom. He says, hey, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I'll be with you even till the end of the age. So God is promising that he is near and that he is with us. And the beautiful thing is that the only way that this kingdom advances is through the Spirit of God. Again, it's not by our power, because Jesus leaves, he ascends, and he leaves his disciples, and he says, wait for my Spirit to come. And the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and Peter is hit by the Spirit. He receives the Holy Spirit, and he's given strength, in ways that we have never seen in the church before. In one day, Peter gives a sermon, a short sermon. If you read it, it probably takes you 30 seconds. And in that sermon, 3,000 people repent and come back to God. This is Peter, who denied Jesus three times. 
He said, I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. Jesus uses him by his spirit. And so we don't advance the kingdom on our own strength, but rather it's through his spirit that he gives to us freely that we are able to advance the kingdom. And it's through us. It's through you and me. It's through his spirit living in us right here in this church in Madison that the kingdom of God is going to advance to the ends of the earth, that the kingdom of God is going to advance through the city of Madison. And so this parable teaches us that our God is at work and that our God is a movement of grace in which we are invited to grow in relationship with him. The prophet Jeremiah says that, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. This is the hope of the kingdom, that we would know him, and that we would return to him, and that we would know Jesus with our whole heart. And we have a confidence that this is happening. We have a confidence because we have testimonies in this room of those things happening, of God showing up in ways that you never expected, of grabbing your heart and saying, come, follow me, of Jesus giving you a new heart and a new imagination for what life could be like, and us coming together in community. I mean, you, the, the people in this room, we would not be gathered together. We would not be friends. We would not hang out if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the kingdom of God is at work, and we have to be confident in that. And Paul is so confident that he says this. He says that the kingdom of God is at work, and it's at work through one man, Jesus Christ. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 1. He says that in him, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all of his wisdom and all of his insight, making known the mysteries of a will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, a plan to fulfill in his time, to unite all things to him. God is trying, the purpose of the kingdom is to bring all things under God's reign, all things in heaven and on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance. Who here wants an inheritance someday? Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. In him we've obtained an inheritance, and we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that who were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in it, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And this is the confidence of the kingdom, that the Holy Spirit has come, and the Holy Spirit has sealed us, and that there is an inheritance for us to partake in. And so there is a confidence in the kingdom of God. There is a confidence that the kingdom of God has come, and that the kingdom of God is here, that the kingdom of God is very near, and that the kingdom of God is even advancing in a dark, dark world, where we might look at it and say, there is no way that the kingdom of God is advancing. And I'm here to tell you that it is. I'm here to tell you that the kingdom is marching on. And I'm here to tell you that the kingdom has not retreated since the day that tomb broke open by the grace and power of our God. So not only do we have confidence that Jesus has come and has established his kingdom and that it's growing, but we also have this confidence that we can't screw it up. Amen. Amen. We cannot screw it up. There are some people that would like you to believe that our sin is so powerful 
that we can hinder the growth of the kingdom of God. And then there are also some people who would like you to believe that the only way the kingdom of God is going to advance is through our own personal righteousness. And if either one of these is true, if the power of our sin or the power of our own righteousness dictates what the kingdom of God is going to do, then you, you have no purpose of having any hope or confidence in that kingdom. No hope, no confidence, if it's on us. But there are people that would like to make you believe that it's on you, that you have to advance it, or that you're going to be the thing that gets in the way of the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God is moving on with or without you. And oftentimes, he moves in this place that is in spite of us. God often advances in spite of us, in spite of our own weakness, in spite of our own sin, in spite of our own relationships that are messed up and broken, somehow through the forgiveness and the grace that is given between our friendships and our relationships, somehow the kingdom of God breaks through. Somehow the kingdom of God is advanced. And I'd say the only way that that happens is a miracle, and it's something way outside of me. It's something way more powerful than me. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. His grace is just continually abounding. It's abounding in our conversations. It's abounding many times when we drive. Anyone drive and just wonder, you know, get so close to an accident and wonder, like, how in the world did I not get in an accident? I'm just like, that is, I'm just like, that's a grace of God moment. Like, the grace of God moment that, that one, everyone is safe, and that two, that my day was left unhindered with the inconvenience of an accident. I mean, really, that's my biggest worry of an accident is like, am I going to be inconvenienced today? And, you know, <laughs> but the grace of God, it covers me and he's like, we're good. We're good. But the parable states that the, the grace of God abounds in our relationships, in our friendships, <laughs> in our coworkers, in the work that we do day in and day out. And it says day and night, the seed sprouts and it grows, but the worker doesn't know how. The kingdom of God is a mystery but we know that it's at work and it's advancing. We need to praise God for it. We need to praise God for his kingdom and for the advancement of his kingdom. And our job is not to worry about the advancement of the kingdom. A lot of times, I like to be a big picture person. I like to see where we're going. I like to see arcs. I like to see visions of what's next. And what I find is that when I get worried about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God in those ways, oftentimes I end up messing it up or I can't mess it up, but I end up not acting in grace most of the time. Because I put it on me. I say, oh, the kingdom of God is dependent upon me. And I remove who's actually king and who's actually moving his kingdom. And that's God. And so our God is not to worry about its advancement, but it's instead rather to serve it right where it's at. The kingdom of God is a place where we can serve it right where it is at. And while we serve it right where it's at, where it is right now, today, on July 3rd, here in Madison, while we serve it where God has it, we also pray faithfully and diligently the prayer that Jesus has given us, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, that he would enact within us by his power, that he would let loose here in Madison his grace and his love, that this kingdom would advance, and that more people would know him. So there's a confidence. There's a confidence that we have. We move from hope to confidence that our God is at work, and that he's at work with you and me, and that he's at work within this city, even in places where we don't see it. Now, this does not mean that you and I get to stand by idle. 
Okay, just because God's in charge, just because God is moving his kingdom and is going to advance it as he wills. This does not mean that you and I just get to sit back and say, God, you got this. <laughs> we don't get to do that. This is a parable that is a parable about movement. It's a parable of movement about from growth to fruit. And this kingdom constantly is a kingdom that is about growth. That we have many, many parables that says that the kingdom of God is like this thing that is constantly growing. And so I have to ask us this morning is, is the kingdom of God growing inside of you? Is the kingdom of God growing inside of you and moving you to this place of fruit, to this place of confidence, this place where we will eventually be able to produce some fruit and serve our neighbor and love our neighbor and see the kingdom of God advance through Jesus Christ living in us. Because at the end of the day, the true fruit of the kingdom, the true fruit of this kingdom that this parable is talking about is those that who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have put their full trust that Jesus is going to save us, that Jesus is saving us, and that Jesus is going to transform our lives, that Jesus is going to transform us. Like I said, who here needs a place of movement of God that only God can do? This is the fruit, and we have to pray that God would create fruit in our lives, that God would create growth in our lives, that he would move us to this place of bearing fruit, that his kingdom would grow deep within our hearts. And those who are a part of this fruit, who are part of this kingdom, who put their faith and trust in Jesus, there's a spirit that this kingdom bears fruit to as well. And this spirit of the kingdom and the fruit that it bears is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And most of the time we like that list until self-control. <laughs> but these are the things that we can look for. These are the things that we can pray for. And if we're asking ourselves, is the kingdom of God at hand? Is the kingdom of God growing in my heart, are you growing in these things? Are you growing in love? Are you growing in patience? Or are you just frustrated and mad all the time? Do you walk through life with your head down, mad at the world because you didn't get your way? Or do you have some patience? Are you able to extend kindness to somebody who doesn't deserve it? To somebody who messed up your order? to somebody who cut off in front of you, to somebody who didn't get their job assignment done, to somebody who blamed you for not getting their job assignment done? Is that grace? Is that patience? Is that kindness growing inside of you? Because this is what the kingdom of heaven is about. This is how the kingdom of heaven is going to advance. It's going to advance in our own hearts first. This is how the kingdom of God advances. It advances in relationships. It advances in our heart. It advances in this desire for faithfulness and for self-control. Are you able to say no to the things you want to say yes to really bad? If not, pray that God would grow more seeds of his kingdom into your heart. Come into community and confess those things so that we can keep each other accountable, that we can grow this kingdom along together inside our hearts, that God can advance in this church, that God can advance in our hearts. This is the fruit of the kingdom of God. 
And so this morning we see how this parable moves us towards growth and how it moves us towards this place of confidence. And so how has it taken root in you? Has there been activity going on? Is there, you know, what's cool about a plant is that there's a whole bunch of activity that happens below the surface before anything comes through the surface. And so maybe this morning you're in this place where, like, the kingdom of God is just freshly planted on your heart. Maybe there's a lot of activity going on below the surface. And I want you to examine, is there, are you at a place where maybe you're ready to burst through the ground and display a sprout? Is there a place, maybe you're at a place where you've, you've been sprouted, but it's time to start bearing some fruit. Maybe you're in a place where you need deeper roots. Because if there's going to be an abundant harvest, if there's going to be an abundant harvest that produces life, there's got to be some deep roots that take place first. In our new home, we've got some fruit trees, and I've been told by the previous owners that in previous years, if you don't prune the tree, it bears so much fruit that it would break itself, that it would kill itself off, that the roots are not deep enough. And so my question is, is are your roots deep enough? Are you able to grow deep enough so that your fruit is long-lasting, that your fruit that you produce will endure that, it will, that you will have confidence in it because God is the one growing it inside of you. And so I ask that we would move as a community towards prayer, that God would do this work in our hearts, that he would advance this kingdom in our hearts, this kingdom that makes us more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient, more self-controlled, because this is what we need, and this is what the world needs. I mean, isn't this what you need? Don't you need people to be more loving? Don't you need people to be more patient? Don't you need to be people that be more kind and gracious and generous? This is what we need. This is what the kingdom of heaven is about. And if you're here this morning and you have not asked Jesus to, to do this, we invite you this morning to the kingdom of God is ready to move with inside of you. The kingdom of God is ready to take its seed and plant it into your heart that Jesus is here to shower you with his grace and love this morning. And so this is what the hope of the fruit is, is that we might serve and love one another more. But may we not confuse all of this fruit that we produce with service, but rather may this fruit of the kingdom growing within us move us towards a worship in our service. I think a lot of times we hear messages and we want to do something. And to be honest, the, the parable kind of ends here. The parable just says, hey, it's a movement. The kingdom of God is moving. You have nothing to do with it. Be encouraged. Have hope. Be confident that the kingdom of God is advancing and worship him that it is. But there's also this kind of implied meaning of like, what does this make us feel? What does this make us want to go and do because the kingdom of God is moving? And oftentimes, we just want to serve. We're like, all right, let's move to service. Like, let's rally the troops. Let's, let's start a movement. And I think instead of a, you know, organize a citywide movement, what we need to do is have the movement happen in our own hearts to where we can just begin to worship and serve God and serve our neighbor and serve one another wherever we find ourselves that day. So wherever you go, after this, whether it's the Woodman's to buy food for the cookout that you are stressed to have, or whether it's out to eat because you don't want to deal with the stress of that, 
How are you going to deal with your server? How are you going to deal with the cashier person? Are you going to treat them with grace and compassion? How are you going to deal with the traffic? How are you going to deal with the police officer that hooks you up on the speed trap? You know? How are you going to deal with these things? Is there going to be grace? Is there going to be worship in it? Like I said earlier, the kingdom of God is going to advance in spite of us. And it is our kind of inkling to feel like we have to advance it. But rather our job is to serve the kingdom, to serve it exactly where it is. And it's important to recognize this. It's important to recognize that our place is a place of service because we live in a world where we feel like the kingdom of God is losing ground. And we feel like we have to go out and take it. That we need to do more than just serve. But we need to go out and proclaim it with loud voices. And we need to assemble the troops. And this is why we need the parable today. We need this parable to remind us that the God of Abraham and Jacob is still at work today. And that through Jesus, not only can we be hopeful, but we can be confident that the kingdom of God is advancing and truly bearing fruit. This prayer will remind us that the kingdom of God is different than what we expect. And I think we need that reminder. I know I needed that reminder when I was studying this, that the kingdom of God began with what? A death? That's the worst way to start a kingdom. But this is how God does it. It reminds us that one of the greatest victories occurred where there was once the greatest defeat. It reminds us to move and worship and serve the king. And so the question is, what is this worship and service look like? And like I said, I think it goes out, it looks like going out into the world and serving our neighbor, serving our friends, and practicing the fruit of the Spirit with everyone that we encounter. I mean, what would happen, just for a moment, just imagine a world without Facebook. Imagine a world without Facebook. What would that be like? Imagine a world where people stopped writing Facebook posts, where people stopped sharing blog posts, where people stopped proclaiming how terrible the world is and how terrible that group of people over there is or how terrible that group of people is. Can you imagine a world like that for a moment? Where we just stopped all the social discourse. We stopped blaming one another for how terrible your day was. Can we stop that? for a moment and begin to ask what would happen instead if there was grace offered? What if there's grace offered to those people that write Facebook posts that offend you? You know, the ones that get you real upset. The ones that make you think, how is that person a Christian? Because I'm friends with some of you guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, I've got some of my Christian friends. I'm like, how, how, how does that compute with with what you proclaim to believe, you know? But what I need to do is I need to check myself and say, hey, I'm broken too. And the kingdom of God isn't advancing because of my righteousness, but the kingdom of God is advancing because of Jesus' righteousness, because of God's goodness and grace. And I need to extend grace to you guys. I need to not judge you, and you need to not judge me, okay? We need to offer this grace and love and this hope. And it's true grace. Because a lot of times, what we try to offer in this great city of Madison is tolerance. When Tim Dunn was here, he talked about how oftentimes we live in the city of tolerance. And oftentimes, we want to be tolerant 
towards one another, but tolerance is just cheap grace. No one wants to be tolerated. No one wants to be like, oh, that's nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tolerate you. It's like a fly that you can't get out of the room. Like, you would prefer it to be out, but you're going to, like, let it be there because it doesn't understand out. <laughs> but instead, what we need is true grace and true love and true compassion. We need the fruit of the Spirit to work within us, within our daily lives. And so instead, I offer to you, instead of having the cynical and critical view of the world, which I know so many of us have, I know it's in my own heart, I can be the worst cynic, I can be the worst critic at times, but instead of having this heart that just goes around and complains about how terrible the world is, how terrible your coworker is, how terrible your boss is, how terrible your family member is, what if instead we exchange that with eyes and ears to hear and see where the kingdom of God is advancing? What if instead of having eyes and ears to hear where everything is going wrong, we exchanged that and we had eyes and ears to hear and see where God is at work, where God is moving, where God is advancing. When I was studying in England, I was with a group of friends and we were in the dorm and this woman stumbled in, blind drunk, blind drunk. And everyone there turned into an, an EMT taking care of this woman. And just before this woman stumbled in, we were discussing whether or not God existed, the existence of God. And she comes stumbling in, and I was the only person there on the side of, yes, God exists. This woman stumbles in, and they turn into this EMT squad. A guy gives her her bed. A girl holding the puke basket. You know, a guy writes her a note, says, you can pass out here for the night. I will go sleep somewhere else. One of my friends came up to me, they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you had to witness this. I'm like, oh, it's okay. And they're like, no, she did something incredibly selfish, incredibly stupid, and now we're not able to go out to eat when we wanted to. Now we're delayed. This is inconvenient. This is frustrating. I'm like, no, actually, this is incredibly beautiful. And he's like, beautiful? What do you mean? I was like, don't you understand? She did something incredibly selfish and stupid, yes. But look at the good that has come from this. Look at the redemption that's happening right now. You didn't just leave her at the doorstep. He didn't just leave her on the ground. But this guy gave up his bed for her. This guy that said, there is no God. There is no kingdom. There's a woman holding her basket that she throws up in it. She's not letting her throw up all over herself. People called her, made sure that she was up the next day to make it to her exam. And I was like, this, this is actually a moment of redemption. And they're like, redemption? I'm like, yeah. Because of this terrible evil, look at this incredible good. Now, unfortunately, I've not always been able to maintain this place where I've had eyes to see and ears to hear, where the kingdom of God is advancing. But man, that is my prayer, that I would lose the heart of the cynic and the critical, and that I'd be able to get, begin to observe, and not only observe, but begin to proclaim where the kingdom of God is present and is advancing, even in those who don't believe. I mean, God, the whole earth is God's. And when you talk to people who have come to faith in their testimony. They're like, man, it was like God was there the whole time and I just never saw him. So we've got to believe that God is at work in the city even where we don't see it. And we, begin, we need to begin to pray that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear where his kingdom is advancing. And it's by that that we'll be able to be able to produce this fruit of patience and joy I feel like the more that we have the fruit of the Spirit, the more we are able to proclaim the goodness 
but I think instead we've been incredibly distracted by Facebook and by media and by our opinions. And instead, those things rise up, things of anxiety, things of anger, things of frustration, things that are actually work counter to the kingdom of God. And so my hope this morning is that we'd be able to move, that we'd be able to move in our service, not only just in a service that we think that is going to accomplish some end for the kingdom of God, but in a service that looks like worship, that looks like just proclaiming the goodness of God wherever we see it. Because is this not how people are going to know that the kingdom of God is here? Is this not how people know that God is present is by worship? By saying, look, God is at work right there. They'll be like, what? What do you mean? I didn't see God there. And you're like, yeah. Don't you see God in this way? Don't you see how, how miraculous this is? And maybe they'll walk away and say, yeah, you're a nut job. <laughs> but maybe they'll also be inspired because maybe for the first time in their day, maybe for the first time in their week, they saw something positive instead of something destructive. Maybe you're even able to point at something that initially looks incredibly destructive and you can point out the incredible goodness and how the God that we love and serve is at work there. And it can allow us to have new eyes to see and inspire a new imagination in us to see the hope and the truth that is within Jesus Christ, that we'd be able to go in confidence. And so this morning, our message is a message of movement. It's a message that moves us from hope to confidence. It's a message that moves us from growth to fruit. And finally, it moves us from this place of fruit where we move from service to worship. And so as we go, may we go worshiping. May we go inspired. May we go with a new hope and I hope that you have been encouraged this morning because that is the hope of this parable. That is the hope of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is here and that it's moving. And may he give us eyes and ears to see and may he give us the boldness to proclaim its goodness in intimate, personal relationships. Not on a Facebook post, not in a blog post, not in a blog, not in a podcast, but by pulling someone aside that you care about to say, man, I love you, brother. Man, I forgive you for what you've done. It's okay that you threw me under the bus. We're here to live another day. This is the kingdom of reconciliation. It's the kingdom of grace. And it is here calling out all people. So may we go and emulate that kingdom today. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord God, I just thank you for this day. And I thank you for this parable of growth, for this parable of movement. And God, we thank you that you are in charge of this movement. And God, I just pray that you would inspire within us this desire to move. God, would you move us? May you give us the kick in the pants that we need. May you give us this new heart that we need to proclaim that you are God. God, give us eyes to see your goodness in this city, even in the darkest places. Give us ears to hear. And God, may you encourage us. So, God, we need encouraged. God, may our joy not be stolen away. May we worship you because you are the king and you are the conqueror. And God, may your kingdom continue to come on earth as it is in heaven. And give us the patience to its ultimate fulfillment. In your name we pray. Amen.